0: Happy Leap Day. It is exciting to, for Leap Day, isn't it? Because it only happens yeah. once every four years.
1: Right. It's a, a limited experience. We only get to have so many times in our lifespan. So.
0: Yes. My father-in-law's birthday is Leap Day. Oh, that's cool. So in, in traditional uh, old man humor fashion, right. it'll be like, well... He's like, technically, I've had 16 birthdays. You ask him how old he is or whatever. He's like, well, I've or, you know, which birthday is this? And He's like, it's my 16th birthday or something. (laughs) No, he's pretty cool. He's not. He's not that old. So maybe I'll say that his 12th birthday or something. And it's just funny the way you're like, "Okay, okay, I get it.
1: No, that's awesome, though, because you can have an extra big party. Right. When it actually is a leap year and.
0: It's your actual birth date. Right. It's just so, you know, it's just so ridiculous. But um, <laughs> my, my favorite uh, Leap Day memory, though, is the, when we had the Scott Bakula party.
1: Oh, yeah, that was really fun. The Quantum Leap Day. For
0: Quantum Leap Day in 2008, uh, we premiered our, our, our video for Scott Bakula that day, actually. Which
1: is a, one of our songs from our third album.
0: Yeah, Cynical is the name of the album. And um, I'll put a link to it because it is Leap Day. I'll put a link to the, this Happy Leap Day Quantum Leap video. In the show notes. In the show notes at At. othersidepodcast.com slash 81. Yeah, it's hard to believe we already have 81 episodes. Yeah. Like, we've been doing this for well over a year now.
1: That's crazy. But the Quantum Leap Day party was a blast. We premiered the video, and um, it's just easy to remember that party because it was on Leap Day.
0: And uh, I owned a rental property at the time, and the pipes broke that day. Oh. Yeah, so that was a day it was uh, as negative That's temperatures in Wisconsin. So considering it's 50 degrees or it hit 57 degrees yesterday in Wisconsin. Yes. Considering it's so warm. I mean, I was hanging out, I was picking up my guitar and amp somewhere and there was oh, some gosh. somebody was in shorts and not even wearing shoes, like just walking oh, down man. the street. I'm like, you're in you're
1: Yes. No, I, I went running yesterday and this is a little bit of a, a like a promo for Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. But uh, I went on the Ice Age Trail and the Badger State Trail. Oh, yeah. Two of the big trails near Madison here. And it was just gorgeous. And man, the bikers were out in force. Sure. Bikers, runners, walkers, dogs. It was great. It was beautiful. Everybody's like... Hey, we can, we can leave our houses. Right. It's exciting. It's,
0: it's, There's a world out here. It's like being freed after being in the bunker or whatever forever. Yes. Like you finally get to leave the bunker.
1: But I, di- I did have that, that spring-like appreciation for Wisconsin. It was absolutely beautiful. Yeah, so.
0: it is. It is beautiful. And um, well, and good news is that it's going to planning on snowing on Tuesday. So it's just going to...
1: All right. This week.
0: David... Tease. You, you ever see that weatherman that like like he's like from Nova Scotia and he's like screaming? He's like, Yeah, get your iPods charged, get your you know, he's like, There's gonna be a major snowstorm. Get frozen pizzas. Like he just screams it out. He predicted the snowstorm for Tuesday. Oh yeah. So get your perfect keep your iPads, iPods, your tablets charged, your laptops charged. Yep.
1: Well, we don't have to worry about spring too much longer, Mike, because we're going to be heading in the southern direction soon. We certainly are. I was,
0: sure. I was just in the south this week. Oh, that's right. I was just in Atlanta this week, and uh, it was fun, but it was still like 43 degrees. Mm. So it was st- still cold, so we're looking forward to even to, to go souther <laughs> right. than Atlanta. And, yes. and so we are going to be going to Austin, Texas. Uh, for several days in March, and we might be coming through your city, listeners.
1: That's right. We're going to be hitting up several cities on the way down. So, if you are in any of these cities or near them, we'd love for you to um, come out and check out our performance and say hello
0: and show us your ghost story.
1: That's right. Show us your ghost story. Maybe have a, a coffee or a beer with us.
0: We'll be uh, Wendy and I'll be we'll be playing songs. That we have premiered here on the podcast. So it's a paranormal themed show and we are playing our band songs that are all uh, It's a special acoustic performance. We're doing uh, music that we debuted and sing on the podcast here. So that's kind of, it's kind of a mixture of the stuff we do here and, and the music that you guys so lovingly download and tell us that you enjoy every week. Thank you. And <laughs> I cannot wait. Yeah, we're doing that. So if you are in Cincinnati, Ohio, Nashville, Tennessee. New Orleans, Louisiana, a place that I know has got more ghost stories and vampires and stuff like that than any other yes, place. that's uh, right. <laughs> Houston, Texas, or Austin, Texas. Please check our website, sunspotmusic.com. And at sunspotmusic.com, you can see the tour dates of where we're going to be appearing and the places we're going to be going when we take See You on the Side and Sunspot Music on the road.
1: Yeah, and who knows, Mike, maybe we'll, maybe we'll stop at some weird places. Mm. along the way hopefully we can check out some sites we will
0: definitely be stopping at weird places along the way I'm pretty that,
1: that's, <laughs> I mean <laughs> I, I don't just mean the clubs we're playing at I mean <laughs> right <laughs> right
0: that, that'll happen too
1: those are always weird so um in the best way possible
0: yeah and if you guys have any suggestions for places that you think might be fun for us to visit or great haunted stories or urban legends and stuff please send us an email at show at othersidepodcast.com or you yes. can you can tweet us other side talk. And then we'll, we'll see that. And then, so at other side talk is our, is our Twitter. And that's usually where we do the most action is usually we, you know, we'll tweet, do some tweets and, uh,
1: yeah. And I've met a lot of really cool people on Twitter. It's, it's pretty awesome. Um, yes. Tons of people that are interested in this type of stuff Mm -hmm. and they all have a lot of cool stories and things to share. So
0: they certainly do. Hello
1: to all my new Twitter friends.
0: Yeah. And and happy leap day, everybody. Enjoy it yes. every four years. If it's your birthday today to, to enjoy your twelfth birthday or whatever. Your youth. <laughs> right. Enjoy your youth while you have it. So today we thought it'd be fun to talk about Egypt. Now we've yes. been talking about Orientalism for a long time and the Oriental like yep. fad that overtook right. the United States and, and a lot of Western civilization in the early part of the twentieth century. And so because there was brand new news about King Tut's tomb this week, and also the movie Gods of Egypt opened up on Friday, you know, we thought uh, yeah. it'd be a good time Perfect to talk timing. about
1: it. Perfect timing. Definitely.
0: Yeah. So anyway, um, probably should talk about this right away, because I know some people on, on Facebook and Twitter were talking about the Gods of Egypt did not hire real Egyptian actors. It's, right. It stars Scottish actor Gerard Butler. Um. <laughs> who is from 300. He's not Greek either, but he was pretty good in 300. And uh, it also has Nicolaj coster waldo Waldo, not Waldo. I make him sound like he's, he wears a striped shirt. <laughs> Where is he? <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's one of the main characters too. So it's pretty, like, pretty European for the gods of Egypt. And the director of the film, Alex Proyas, who also did The Crow, which is such an incredible movie. And, mm-hmm. and Dark City, which is another incredible movie. So I'm an Alex Proyas fan. I think he's awesome. He said, you know, we could have been more diversified in the casting, but it is a fantasy film. And so he apologized. I said, you know, next time we do something like this, maybe we'll look around there and try to get some <laughs> Egyptian guys or
1: make it a little bit more representative of the way things
0: might have actually been. Yeah, were, time. you know, I mean, you'll know Nicholas costa because he's the guy that plays Jamie Lannister on Game of Thrones.
1: Oh, yeah. So, right. And
0: he, you know, he's got a great English accent in Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't know that he's Dutch.
1: No, not at all. Or is he Danish? Oh, my God. Is he
0: Danish or is he Dutch? I I don't know. Hold on. I got to look at that right now. Oh, boy. Um, Otherwise, I'm going to be embarrassed if I'm like, oh, he's Dutch. (laughs) I know he's definitely not English. So the English accent he puts on his Game of Thrones, he's Danish. So, excuse me, he's Danish and just a stunningly good looking man.
1: Uh, agreed yeah Yeah, definitely it's a handsome handsome one
0: yeah there's a movie you can watch on netflix with him where he plays a bad guy and it is just a tremendous film i recommend it to everybody that it's really a fun it's all in danish though okay so you gotta if you're okay with subtitles and i am certainly okay with subtitles headhunters (laughs) headhunters is the name of a movie it's a norwegian film but he's speaking, the, uh, he's speaking the language, and he... You know, wow. Yeah, I mean, so all those European guys are always good at speaking languages, you know. Pretty impressive. Everybody's multiple. like a, a... Can speak multiple languages over in Europe. We're, yeah. We're... Over here, we're struggling with English as it is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Headhunters. I think they're going to remake it for the US, but they haven't done it yet. But I, it's free, and it's on Netflix, and he is awesome in it. So I'm a huge, All I'm, right, I'm well. a big, I'm a big fan of that guy. You know, I don't know if he's going to be a great Egyptian God. I was busy this weekend, so I didn't have a chance to see the movie yet. So I have no idea if he plays a good Egyptian God, but I do know that he's a pretty good actor.
1: Yeah. And if anybody sees it, feel free to let us know. Mm-hmm. And opinion I, of the, uh, and getting, <laughs> the, and it's getting, and it's,
0: and it's getting some super low, like rotten tomatoes. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh, but I'm still going to see it. Cause it looks cool to me. I'm a big fan of Alex Proyas, the director. And I love the fantasy stuff. You know, Orientalism, there is a thing, I mean, we, we still treat Egypt as this other, as this mysterious place, like it's, and there, there is something, um, not necessarily dehumanizing about it, but when you treat an entire other culture like it's not like yourself, it's mysterious, it's strange, it's unusual. I mean, I think a lot of people have a problem with that because that's what leads to prejudice of a culture. Sure. You know, yeah. when you say something is too mysterious, too crazy.
1: Or they're so different, we could never possibly understand
0: them. Right. And, you know, I mean, Egypt is like the big daddy of ancient civilizations. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and man, it's, it's probably fascinated people for so long for a couple of reasons. Like, nobody talks about Assyria very much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody talks about, I mean, everybody talks about Greek and Rome, but, you know, they're right in Europe. With Greece and Rome, you see their descendants all the time. Like, it's... it's Right. It's not mysterious. It no. doesn't have that same kind of... Aura that, you know, Egypt does. And it, right. And it's probably because, number one, the pyramids are still standing. Right. Like, and they're huge. And they're awesome. Right. I haven't been to Egypt. <laughs> I'd love to go I sometime. I haven't either. Yeah, it's definitely um, on the list. But the thing is, I mean, they're the only one of the seven wonders of the ancient world that are still standing. Yeah, that's incredible. You know, the Great Pyramid. And, I mean, just the whole thing. And they butt right up against the, you know, encroaching... Metropolis in Egypt. So if you look at a picture, and I'll just try to grab a picture for the show notes here. If you look at a picture from the pyramids, like a satellite picture, you know, mm-hmm. whenever we see pictures of the pyramids, it's always like from the perspective of the sand. Yeah. <laughs> so it gives you that air of, you know, that this place of ancient mystery still exists. Right. That there's a place you can go. But the thing is, you don't, when you see actually how close it is to the city, it's like right yeah. outside the city. Oh, wow. So when you look at the satellite picture, it's like, wow, like there's a big city right next to the.
1: Oh, so you could just walk
0: right over to the pyramids. I don't, I don't know if it's walking distance. <laughs> it, it, it does look like it's just a couple of miles, though. I mean, okay. it does, it's not like 50 well, miles. From the satellite. <laughs> from the satellite, right. So I would say, I mean, I would at least take a bus. I probably wouldn't just walk there if you're in Cairo or whatever. But okay. OK, so number one, so the pyramids are still standing and Egypt as a civilization is, you know, mixed right into uh, the mythology of Christianity. So the Old Testament, you know, the first five books that they say were written by Moses, the Pentateuch. <laughs> I mean, Moses was, in the story, he was a prince of Egypt. He had been found, he and he had been found like in a, in a little basket on the Nile. Okay. And they picked him up, and it was like the queen picked him up, and they raised him as a prince of Egypt. And it was his brother that was the Pharaoh. His, you know, his not real brother, but his Egyptian brother was the one who was going to become the Pharaoh. Okay. Yeah. And then he was a Hebrew and the Egyptians had enslaved the Hebrews. He, the Hebrews, completely different than the Hebrews. The Hebrews, <laughs> like, um, anyway, uh, no, the Hebrews <laughs> who, uh, who were enslaved by the Egyptians and he helped, he freed the, the Hebrew people. And that's the, that's the start of you know, that's, that's the real start of Israel as a country and all this ancient stuff. So that the Egyptians are right in there. And so it, even if you're in the Middle Ages, if you're, if you're someone in the Middle Ages in the middle of Europe and you're uneducated about everything else, you're going to know about Egypt because you read the Old Testament. Uh-huh. So you know about Moses. You know, so as long as you're religious, then you pretty much know about it. So this ancient civilization is fresh on everybody's mind because they talk about it in church. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that helps it. And, and the Egyptians are never known, they're not the good guys in these stories because they mm-hmm. enslaved the Hebrews. The good guys are the Hebrews right. running away. And so you've seen the Ten Commandments, right? Like on, it's on Easter every year, Charlton yeah, Heston. maybe a long, long time ago. Moses, you know, uh, Pharaoh, let my people go kind of thing. He's, um, well, speaking of whitewashing, you get Charlton Heston to play. Uh, <laughs> you know, Moses and he's as about as non-Semitic as you can get. doesn't even look exotic, you know, but I mean, they also, (laughs) I mean, Orson Welles also made a great movie where Charlton Heston played a Mexican. So who knows anyway? So, I mean, that's the whole story. It's, it's ancient Egypt. We watched that from a young age. And, and what they're doing is like they're going after the Egyptians in that movie because they're trying to free, you know, Moses is like, let my people uh-huh. go, or we're going to unleash plagues. Ah, I see. You know, there's going to be locusts. We're going to kill your firstborn. That's the last one. Yikes. Yeah, we're going to go in and kill your firstborn. Man, that's about as brutal as it gets. Right. So the Egyptians are considered such bad guys that it's okay if the God of the Old Testament sends the angel of death to kill their firstborn. Wow. Right? So talk about considering a, a culture of the other. Just wantonly, right. like wantonly like, murder their firstborn. Right, right. Break, break one of the commandments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's actually, you know, we talk about Egypt and pop culture. Metallica has a song off the, uh, the Ride the Lightning album called Creeping Death.
1: Yes, I'm familiar with the song.
0: Yes. And well, Creeping Death is about them watching the Ten Commandments and seeing the angel of death come in and killing the firstborn.
1: Oh, I didn't realize that. I never thought too much about it. The meaning of that How about one? the meaning of Creeping? It's just like, oh, yeah.
0: that sounds like a real badass song. Yeah, it does. It is a badass song. Um, like the, in, the, in the part in the middle where everybody, like live, you hear Metallica play Creeping Death. And then everybody just screams die over and over again. It's die, die. And the right. lyrics are die by my hand. I creep across the land killing firstborn man.
1: Didn't you say when you saw them the first time
0: they opened up with that? Mm-hmm. And the crowd was was all just chanting. Dive. Was going crazy. It was the Mark Marcus Amphitheater, <laughs> oh on man. 1992, and it was the second half of their Inner Sandman tour. So it was That's, a summer fest in Milwaukee.
1: When you describe that to me, I'm like, oh, that. I mean, can you imagine just being surrounded by a bunch yeah. of metalheads like <laughs>
0: screaming Dive. out, Dive. Yeah, it was awesome.
1: That's, that's about as metallic as it gets
0: yes that is about as metallic as it gets and you know it's just funny you can imagine 25,000 people screaming along, die to this song about uh, that, you know that's... them watching the Ten Commandments yeah. so in the Ten Commandments movie and this is spoilers for a 60 year old film now maybe it's 50, <laughs> okay. I think 1957, 1956 and I've seen the Ten Commandments a dozen times you know it's got Ever G Robinson as you know one of the Hebrews said, where is where I live right now Moses I just I really I've always <laughs> you can enjoyed quote the, it Oh yeah, I've always enjoyed the Ten Commandments because it's a hardcore movie. Yeah, and uh, you know the special effects of parting the red sea. Like they part the red sea, sweet, so that the, the Hebrews can escape. And then when the Egyptians all get into the red sea and follow them, mm-hmm. that's when Moses they brings it up. Bro, Moses brings the hammer down and like drowns the entire Egyptian army.
1: So how did they do that effect sixty years ago? Um. Like, was it like a cartoon ocean that was
0: like yeah, over I mean, or something? It, right. They didn't have CGI or anything. It looks pretty good.
1: That's cool. The parting of the Red Sea and the Ten Commandments still looks pretty good. It was,
0: it was like the biggest special effect of all time. Yeah.
1: They must have used some kind of trickery for that one.
0: No, and, it, and it's, it's awesome. But the thing is, in the movie, when the, the plague's happening and, and the angel of death is coming to all these Egyptian houses, what happens is, is that you see, the, uh, you see the smoke come under the people's door. And the smoke is the creeping Ugh. death. The smoke is the death that sneaks up on people and kills the firstborn inside their that's, own homes.
1: Yeah, that's a good way of representing it visually. Mm-hmm.
0: And um, it's interesting too, because it's also gruesome what the Jews did. They painted lamb's blood on the door. Mm-hmm. And so they put the lamb's blood on the door and that was to let the angel of death know like, hey, no, we're cool, we're Jews. Like,
1: yeah, I think I remember learning about that in Sunday school yeah, a long time ago.
0: The, they're like, nope, get the Egyptians, don't worry about it. I mean, the fact is, you'd think that God would know, you know, right. like God's like, you know what? Ah, oh, like this is, this is the, this is the angel of death. This is not a pizza delivery driver. <laughs> and God's just like, you know what? Um, here's how to make it easy. If you see lamb's blood, right. don't go in there. And the angel that's like, yeah, that's cool. God. No problem. Yeah. I'm down. No, but just, it's, just, it's just such a funny thing. It's like, yeah, lamb's blood. Like, you could just, like, some Egyptians were like, oh, I'll put lamb's blood on my door. And they won't know. Right. <laughs> Trick
1: the pizza guy.
0: Right. You tricked the, the pizza angel of death <laughs> coming to oh, get you. Man. But anyway, I mean, the th- that's the thing. So, ancient Egypt is like, <sighs> it's cooked into the blood of our civilization. I mean, cooked into, into our civilization. I mean, that fact. And I always make jokes about the Old Testament God. You know, I remember one time I was playing guitar for my family on a vacation and I improv a whole song about the Old Testament, vicious and angry God. Uh-huh, right. So that my sister will still, like, before she, when she comes to the Sunspot Show, she'll be like, hey, can you play vicious and ang- or vengeful and angry God tonight? Because <laughs> the God of the Old Testament- that, br- that one really brings the house down. It really does. The God of the Old Testament is jealous. You know, if, if you're worshiping another God, he'll kill you. If you do, you know, it's just a, it's a jealous, angry, upset God. And Bendful. to be fair to him, or, you know, to be fair to God of the Old Testament, he did have Moses give the warning about the firstborn. <laughs> he did say, he's like, you know, or he, she, you know, whoever, I, I'm, I'm trying not to attach any kind of gender to God. Sure.
1: No, I understood.
0: So he did say to Moses, like, you better, you should probably tell, tell the Pharaoh, you know, that I'm going to kill all the kids unless he lets you go. And so he did. And then Pharaoh was like, ha, ha, ha. And in the movie, it's Yul Brynner, bald. <laughs> Got a real deep voice, Yul Brynner. Anyway, but that's just a little bit of the, uh, we want to talk about pop culture. We talk about why Egypt is kind of, Egypt is just part of our um, Western civilization very closely. Not just because some of our ideas about things came from ancient Egypt. It's just because they were close enough to the cultures that we can directly derive Western civilization from. I. Uh, Europe and you know, Greece and, and Rome and stuff, it's close enough there, but it's mysterious enough and it's different enough that studying it, that, that you, can, you can attribute all these things to it. You can attribute magic to it. You can attribute their gods and spirits and all the mystical kind of things because they had mm-hmm. spells and everything like in their daily life. Right. Yeah. So the Egyptians were a very, it was a very magical culture. And so I think that's why Orientalism really excited people. Because it was being able to study that other, that real interest, you know, really interested about it, and uh, I think that's what attracted attracted that. So, um, Egyptology kind of first started getting, um, first started becoming a thing after Napoleon conquered Egypt in the the very beginning of the 19th century. So, Napoleon mm-hmm. conquers Egypt, comes through, and then you bring that tradition of french universities french scholars and stuff and they start they start studying it and so they start exploring the pyramids and making it uh, a museum thing instead of a robbery thing i see okay so you know in the past when you explore the pyramid you wanted to get some treasures and i mean and that's one of the reasons we're talking about it today not just a new movie coming out but also just recently They had radar points to a secret chamber in King Tut's tomb. That's so cool. So, I mean, King Tut, obviously the most famous of the pharaohs. And why do we love King Tut? Because Steve Martin. Right. (laughs) And the two uncommons.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, don't you think it's amazing that they continue to find things? Mm -hmm. After so many years of running around in those tunnels and exploring, you'd you'd think they would have tapped them out by now, but there's still stuff in there. It's crazy.
0: It's been over three millennia. The idea that they still find stuff. So here's, yeah. here's the quote, and this is from History.com, which is where I read the original article. In an academic paper published this past July, British archaeologist Nicholas Reeves made the startling claim that King Tutankhamen may not be alone in his burial chamber. After spending months poring over ultra-high-resolution images of the boy king's mausoleum, the University of Arizona Egyptologist spotted what he believed to be the outlines of two doorways that had been blocked and plastered over to hide them from view.
1: So you could just tell from the pictures?
0: Yeah. Oh, wow, well, got ultra, good eyes. Ultra high resolution. <laughs> ultra high resolution. So they must have been, uh-huh. been 4K sure, cameras. Okay. They didn't just break out the old. Like, remember one pic- megapixel cameras?
1: Oh, man. The Sony Mavica with the little floppy disk. Yeah. Put in I, the side. Yeah. Man,
0: I, when I think about our first press photos that used digital cameras, <laughs> like, it really just looked like pixels. Yeah, it looked like a computerized image when I think about these original digital cameras. And now we have a digital camera that's I think even the new iPhones, the 6S or whatever, I think they're 4K. So oh, like wow. even and en- even entry level digital camera. I Every mean, phones, smartphones have amazing digital cameras on them. 4K. Yeah. So when I think about the original like 1 megapixel, it just looked like crap. I know, it's it's funny. You're just like But it
1: was Whoa. so exciting to be able to take that floppy disk and like just have the pictures on your computer and not mm-hmm. have to Get them developed and then scan them. Go I mean, to
0: Walgreens with some crap. Right,
1: get a CD from Walgreens.
0: <laughs> yeah, it certainly is it was something else. So, anyway, so he was looking over the ultra high resolution images. And he thinks that King Tut's mom, Nefertiti, might be the one who's buried next to him. So, a secret oh. burial chamber. So, it's more than just treasure. You know, the, the fact that the secret yeah. burial chamber might be in there. History. And that, right, and that's exciting, um, that idea. And, you know, one of the reasons that, that King Tut is such a big deal, and people talk about Nefertiti and stuff like that, when you, is that King Tut's father, Akhenaten, had a huge impact on the planet because he decided to change Egyptian mythology from many gods to one god.
1: Oh, yeah, that, that's a big one.
0: Right. I mean, monotheism. <laughs> I mean, that's— I mean, talking about the old testament and it's monotheism that's that's what it's all about and to talk about it a little bit for a second if you, if you talk about egyptian myths like the the most famous egyptian myth is about their big guy their zeus their jupiter was, was named osiris mm-hmm. and osiris was murdered by his brother set who is a god associated with chaos osiris's sister and wife okay it's another thing to represent because the egyptians were down with incest. Uh, resurrected him so that he could conceive an heir, Horus. And so Osiris then goes down to the underwear, becomes the ruler of the dead. Horus defeats Set, and then becomes like the big dog of the Egyptian mythology. And I think in the movie, Jamie Lannister, no stranger to incest himself. (laughs) Right. Spoilers for the first episode of Game of Thrones. Or or it's it's like three chapters into the first book. Anyway, so he plays Horus in the new movie and then sets played by Gerard Butler. Ah, okay. So that's, that's the big one. That's the, that's the most famous version of the story. And that resurrection, that uh, Osiris was resurrected from the dead. Yeah. That, that kind of thing, that, that keeps coming up in different religions over the years too. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Jesus died, comes back three days later. So they have this mythology that's really it's baked in right in their civilization, where it's just a very, you know, it's a religious, a very religious uh, society, and then Akhenaten comes in and says, okay guys, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to uh, eliminate all the other gods and just have one god, Aten. And, and so that he makes that change. That's huge. Right. And so one of the reasons that, that King Tut becomes so important is he um, goes back to polytheism after his father, Akhenaten, went to monotheism. Okay, But there's also some of the, you know, the rumors that, okay, so it was Akhenaten's idea of the monotheism that the Jews stuck with. And that's one theory where Judaism came, you know, was influenced very heavily mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they were slaves to the Egyptians. Anyway, but, but King Tut, you know, one of the reasons, that's one of the reasons he was an important Egyptian ruler, even though he died as a, as a teenager
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then uh, famously became the subject of a Steve Martin song, which we'll put in the show notes as <laughs> that's, well.
1: That's what he's actually known for.
0: <laughs> he's actually really known for Steve Martin, King, <laughs> Steve Martin's King Tut. Born in Arizona, raised in Macedonia, whatever. King Tut. <laughs> anyway, I've watched that again today. We'll be preparing for the thing. And I hadn't heard that song in a long time, and I still enjoy it. There's a whole bunch of interesting things about King Tut, too. I mean, first of all, the whole idea of the curse of the pharaohs kind of comes from King Tut's, the opening of his tomb in oh, November right. of 1922. So... What happens is, is that, I mean, Harold Carter is this, is this guy who's really, and he's the most famous Egyptologist of all time. And he finally gets into King Tut's lost tomb. And uh, his patron was a guy named George Herbert, and who was a wealthy Englishman who just was really into Egypt. And I guess when you have a lot of money, you can just sponsor trips to Egypt. Yeah, send
1: people down there. Find something cool for me.
0: What I want you to do is I want you to, uh, (laughs) I want you to rob a grave. Can you do that for me? Can you rob yes, a great... I will give you... Find the coolest stuff you can and bring it back to me. We are going to bring it back to England. Take it. Cultural imperialism, like with the whole planet. Uh, well, it's great too. And I have to admit, <laughs> I was... accents are bad. They're horrible accents, but you got to do them sometimes. But I was so excited when I went to the British Museum and I found the Rosetta Stone.
1: That's awesome.
0: Which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. So, but uh, George Herbert, the wealthy lord who was really into Egypt... He dies of blood poisoning from an infected mosquito bite. Oh. Right? So newspapers speculated that he'd fallen victim to the mummy's curse, supposedly outlined on a clay tablet outside of Tut's tomb. Yeah. But um, they really, they, they made it up. Like the, Oh, it wasn't actually a warning? No. The, there, oh. wa- there were certain warnings on different Egyptian tombs, but most of them were for robbers. You know, so but there was no.
1: Don't you dare enter in here! You're gonna
0: right. There, there there was get you. (laughs) (laughs) Right, there was no. There's no curse of the pharaoh. Like that was that was made up by the English tabloids after he came back. So in 2002, scientists did, did a a study of the survival rates of the Westerners who were in Egypt as part of that expedition during the excavation of King Tut's tomb. Okay, and they found no special dying early. You know, there was no. Kind of like with- yeah, kind of like when they, you know, when they looked for the actual musician musicians dying at the age of twenty seven.
1: All oh, right, we yeah. talked about that, like how yep. musicians
0: died. At the age- well, what they found was that people stopped dying when uh, heroin overdose technology or whatever got better yeah. to help people with that. And so, same thing here. When you actually look at the numbers, there is no curse of. King Tut, unfortunately, yeah, and I, but
1: and, anecdotally, it's so interesting, and and you know, right? I love healing. <laughs>
0: right. Other interesting things about King Tut is that, uh, well, he was probably the product of incest. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, because well, most Egyptians, most Egyptian oh. pharaohs, the royal family, uh, they they kept it in the family, kept in, it in the family in really? Egypt, because to them, pharaohs were Holy pharaohs were touched by the gods. Okay, so the, the the different pharaonic dynasties were actually they thought they were created from their big wise god Thoth, and they don't they don't
1: want to taint the bloodline by procreating with commoners. <laughs> That's exactly right.
0: So you you keep it in the family to do that, hmm. and so inbreeding was just a big thing. And interestingly enough, though, and now this is something that. Uh, I've read about before, but today I didn't, I didn't realize. So Egyptian boys and girls in the Royal family were raised separately from each other. Mm. So they didn't see each other
1: until they were,
0: until they were past puberty. That's crazy. And there's something called the Westermark effect. And it hasn't been, you know, necessarily proved or anything. It's just a, it's just a theory, but it's an explanation for the, uh, the, the traditional taboos we have against incest. In that people who are raised next to each other until the age of like six or seven, people that are raised next to each other, will have a natural aversion to sexual attraction. Huh. And that's like there's a critical period where that has to happen. So if a brother and sister are brought up separately, never meeting one another, oh, I see. then they, there's a high chance they'll find each other highly sexually attractive because of... Uh, there's a certain theory of genetic sexual attraction that people who, people who are like yourself. Well, the idea yeah. is that in the if you're raised together, then you don't want to do it with your brothers and sisters because, <laughs> because of that effect.
1: Right, okay.
0: And, Interesting. And so the so Egyptian, that's why they would keep them separated. I, well, I don't know if that's why they would keep them separated, but that's, it certainly was a result of keeping them separate until puberty. Then they didn't have that natural disgust that people have <laughs> No, and there is and there's a, there's a, <laughs> a revulsion and it's, yeah. it's there so that the brothers and sisters don't get together and have, and have more genetic diversity. Mm-hmm. Well, the Egyptians found a way around that. <laughs> they found a way and, and that's King Tut. Well, but they think with King Tut though, because sometimes what they did was sometimes the royal daughters could then be a, like, if, if they couldn't, if they didn't have a son or whatever with the wife, mm-hmm. then you have it with the daughter. Have the kid no. with your daughter? Yeah, right. Well, that's 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 the thing. That's keeping it in the family. That's the price mm-hmm. of keeping it in the family. So King Tut may have been the product of uh, Aknaten doing it with one of his daughters and then creating his wow. son. So that's I mean, which, right? And when you're talking about the other, when you're talking about the Orientalization and this fetishization of cultures, when they do things that we find disgusting like banging, <laughs> banging your sister and having kids with them and then making that person the, the ruler. Like, I mean, King Tut had got a cleft palate and a club foot. And they think there's more birth defects, congenital oh, defects wow. yeah. in the Egyptian royals because mm-hmm. they were trying to maintain the bloodline. Mm-hmm. And my, uh, my high school Western Civ teacher, Mr. Flaherty, he says that they traded out the kids a lot. Oh, That they would really? be like, well, if a kid's born with a birth defect, we were talking Gerard Butler before and he was in the movie 300 when you talk about sparta which was that warlike greek city greek city state sparta where they were the famous warriors came from if a child was born with a birth defect they'd dash that child's head against the mountain you know they'd but, leave him out they'd kill him
1: oh. so
0: the idea of trading out your kid for a kid that's maybe not so
1: but then they didn't deformed. really believe the the deity thing well you know what i mean if they're willing to just
0: take common human whoever. blood well, that's what like Mr. That? Mr. Flaherty said that. So I don't know if it's real, but okay. I, but the thing is that now Mr. Flaherty is a very smart guy though. <laughs> I'm friends with him on Facebook. So I have to say my, everybody knows.
1: <laughs> well, I thought he was great. Smart guy.
0: But here's the thing, like if they, politics versus religion, you know, so they might believe that, you know, they are descended from the gods, but in politics it might've been harder to follow a leader who was deformed.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: I mean, that, that whole idea of birth defects. Anyway, that just makes the Egyptians sound wackier. For sure. That and the fact that they, like, they shaved, men and women shaved their heads and they wore wigs. Mm-hmm. They hated body hair. Mm. So when you see that, you know, you see in movies that ancient Egyptians are always bald. Well, Ewell Brenner was always bald. But if, uh, even in The Mummy, the guy that plays oh, them right. in the movie, The Mummy, he's bald.
1: So it's, it's not just to make him look tough.
0: Right. It is, it's the fact that uh, they, they shaved their heads because they weren't a big fan of body hair. So electrolysis would have been super popular in ancient Egypt, like, um, wax, you know, like waxing stores or whatever. Oh my gosh. I don't know how they would have used wax, though, but they certainly didn't have any... Uh, well, they certainly didn't have an aversion uh, to dung. They... <laughs> I was trying to make a connection there from wax to, to like, to 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 manure. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> because the Egyptians were the first society to to try to create birth control, and they didn't have hor- they didn't even know about hormones. Obviously, they would mix together mud, honey, and crocodile dung, and then um, mm, that's gross. Put that inside the business.
1: Oh because oh, the, okay. the acidity
0: from crocodile dung was known as an effective spermicide. Oh gosh. Yeah. So but but that's what we're saying here. That's like, romantic. All the things we say about ancient Egypt makes it sound weird, terrifying. So you're like why did be, you know why would people have a be really interested in it? It's because yeah. it's a civilization where things we talk about it, you're like oh god, crocodile dung, like where would, how do you even collect crocodile dung? You're like, "Oh my god."
1: Uh, like where do
0: you find it? I mean, I guess along the river Nile.
1: Yeah, where the crocodiles hang out.
0: Uh, yeah, okay. But that's the thing. So, all this like mysticism around Egypt. And, you know, the pyramids themselves over time have, you know, they give it that air of um, a magical place, you know. Definitely. Uh, and it's, it's a place, a lot of times people go to Egypt when they go to the Holy Land. Mm-hmm. You know, they go to Israel and they go to Egypt because they're, they're neighboring countries. Right. And they're already kind of in a mystical mood. After going to the Holy Land. So they go to the Holy Land and be all these places like, Jesus was here. Yeah. And then feel like, oh my God, what, Jesus is here. And then they feel that religious feeling. And then they go to the right. pyramids and they see the same thing. So it all kind of mixes this together.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it makes Egypt sound like this mystical ma- and the pyramids. And the pyramids are fairly amazing. They really are. <laughs> you know, th- there's plenty of places on the internet where you can see exactly how they built the pyramid, or yeah, or how they think they did. <laughs> real plausible explanations. Mm-hmm. But I mean, for a long time, people thought that you know, well, there's no way the Egyptians could have figured out how to build the pyramids. It must have been aliens, right?
1: That the alien... I mean, that's, that's a logical expl explanation for it. <laughs>
0: like... Yeah, and you know, you know, some things like here's something I, I did not know that I um. I just read today when we were doing research for this, is that if you had a Mercator projection map of the world, okay, so you know what a Mercator projection is? That's, no. You ever seen a, a map where they cut up the globe? Oh, yeah. So you take the globe and you, you, you spread Like the it.
1: old world kind of ones that you see all the time?
0: Yeah. So they'll, take the, they'll take the globe and cut it up. So it's, mm-hmm. instead of being square... It'll be in pieces. It'll be yeah. uh, these oval shapes. So that's, that's the Mercator projection map of the okay. world. It's, but it's more accurate because you're not stretching things to fit a rectangle. Right, right. But it says, if you take a Mercator projection map of the world and pinpoint the exact middle of landmass, east and west parallel, north and south meridian, the exact middle of the landmass in the Mercator projection is the Great Pyramid. Mm. So, they didn't, I mean, they didn't know that the world was round. Right. And, uh, well, that's another thing, interesting thing. So in the Gods of Egypt movie, they actually portray the earth as flat. So it's in addition to the fantasy that Gerard, that Gerard Butler is Egyptian in any way, <laughs> or Nicolás Castavaldo is, you know, not a Danishman, a Dane, a great Dane. Right. Uh, it's also the idea that the earth is flat in the movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and the, the gods are nine feet tall and can turn into monsters. Like that's obviously we're dealing in fantasy world that's here. That's pretty cool. But the uh, how does how, how would the Egyptian builders know that the Great Pyramid be the exact center of the Earth? Right. Well, obviously they wouldn't. So, but who did? Who would know that? Aliens. The Zetas. <laughs> the aliens from Zeta Reticuli would know about that. That's right. And. Well from you know, Nibiru. Nabiru. And the map we were looking at last week when we were talking about Nibiru, uh, that's episode eighty of the C U of the other side podcast, Beyond Pluto discovering Planet X and Nabiru. The map we were looking at of the rejiggered post cataclysm, post Nabiru cataclysm, that was a Mercator projection.
1: Right. So it's like it, it's like taking a globe and slicing it and then peeling mm-hmm. peeling
0: it apart and then sticking it. Yeah, think about if you peel if you peeled an orange in strips. Yeah. Kind of. So, I mean, that's, that's one of the interesting things. I mean, in addition to their, their disgusting birth control. Um, <laughs> here's something that I think is funny. That if you are in ancient Egypt, if you were a dwarf or you were a giant, okay. you automatically got a job.
1: Wow.
0: So little people were often hired for security-sensitive jobs, such as gold workers. Oh. And so giants, like real tall dudes, or other people with visibly unusual physical features also got gold worker jobs. Huh, cool. Because if they ran away, they could be easily spotted in a crowd. So that was <laughs> well, the thing.
1: Okay, see, I was thinking because they have special like unique skills with their physical you know differences from from the norm. So like the dwarves could get into the little tunnels and oh, yeah. you know places like that or or the giants could could dunk carry heavier stuff or reach higher and, you know, get the stuff off the top shelf for everybody.
0: Yeah. So you wouldn't need dunk. one of those little claws. <laughs> no, I think that's great.
1: Right. Yeah. No, that's, uh, but that's, the running away thing. Yeah. I suppose that's
0: right. harder for them to hide. But the thing is when you, when you talk about this, we, I mean, we're orientalizing right now, you know, we talk, cause it's like, Hey, it's ancient Egypt. Aren't they weird? And we find the weird in every culture to tell you the truth. Yeah. Um, but Egypt is great on that because it's just been such a, a mainstay of of Western civilization. The, the the study behind it, the worry about it, the the mysticism of it has been with us so long that it just makes it a little extra fun. And some of their some of their traditions are so interesting. So there's this thing called the Egyptian Book of the Dead. Okay. Okay, and you know you'll I've heard of it, right? You'll hear about the Book of the Dead whenever they have a, some kind of movie. Because it'll be like, oh, yes, as it is written in the Book of the Dead. You know, somebody will say something. And the thing about the Book of the Dead is that it, it wasn't like some kind of book that's going to tell you about what's going to happen after you die. It was a book of magic spells designed to help you get from the afterlife to paradise.
1: Oh, that's right. So I when, remember learning about that so way back when.
0: When you died. You didn't just go to heaven or hell. You had to get there. And to find your way. Right. And to find your way, you needed the spells in the Book of the Dead. Like you that's had that's pretty cool. You had to get by crocodiles. You know, you had to
1: So it's like a little guidebook.
0: Yeah, of spells. And then rich people would have their own Book of the Dead written for them. Wow. So their name would be in the spells. So it's just that's c- a fun business for somebody. Yeah. And so <laughs> I, I still I can't believe they haven't made like a Book of the Dead video game yet. Where you're like you die, and it's your job to get to the judgment. Oh, Um,
1: that would be cool.
0: Well, and the thing is, I mean, that that's the next thing is they weigh your heart. Mm Hmm. So, uh, Osiris, the chief god of the dead, has a tribunal of deities, and once you get past all the stuff in the afterlife, once you dodge the crocodiles and get over the Nile and all the things you have to do in order to get to paradise, you get judged, and what they do is. They rip out your heart,
1: but Uh, but you're already
0: dead. So
1: I don't know if it hurts. So, but it's when you say they rip out your
0: (laughs) heart, it's it's they're like dissecting you. Yeah, I would say. I mean, it's the the ritual that accompanied this was the weighing of the heart on a pair of enormous scales, and so Osiris and the tribunal would judge you, and then uh, and Osiris used to be the big god. The, the number one, a, like mm-hmm. uh, Odin in Norse mythology, yeah. Zeus in Greek mythology. And then he was killed, brought, and then went down uh, to the underworld. And that's where he hangs out now. And the proceedings were recorded by Thoth, the deity of wisdom. And he's often depicted as a human with a little bird head writing on a scope of pious. Oh, yeah. And uh, his other animal form was a baboon. Huh. So I don't so- think of the baboon as the most intelligent of the primates. I think of us as the most intelligent of the primates. Well, I would hope so. But the God of wisdom's other forms of baboon.
1: So what did they do with this heart weighing ceremony? What, what was the point of it? If well, your heart weighed a certain amount, you, you were cool or what?
0: Yeah. Well, here's what happens. So it's weighed against uh, the principle of truth and justice represented by a feather, the symbol of mat or M A A T. The goddess of truth, order, and justice. Okay. And if the heart balances against the feather, then the deceased is granted a place in the fields of Heta mm. which is okay. paradise. If it's heavy with the weight of wrongdoings, then it sinks, and then all then the feather. So you're weighing your uh, your heart against a feather. Yeah, it's it's more of a symbolic weighing, not not like right, like because uh, well, the thing is that <laughs> most people whose heart weighed like actually three pounds, like whatever yeah. our heart weighs, like whatever heart heart weighs, like maybe yeah. three pounds. I'm gonna look that up right now. <laughs> I
1: was gonna say because that to me three pounds seems heavy for a heart, but well, I don't maybe know. never maybe thought your about for really. Maybe your
0: heart is just heavy with guilt, Wendy.
1: Maybe I just have a tiny cold
0: heart, like the Grinch. <laughs> So the average weight of a normal heart in a man is about 300 grams. Okay. And 300 grams equals... (laughs) Convert 300 grams to pounds. 0.66 pounds. Okay. Okay. So the average is 3.6, but it can get as big as... (laughs) A three-pound heart would be pretty massive, dude. It can get as big as 500 grams. So it can get, I mean, 500 grams then would be over a pound. So if your heart weighs over a pound, chances are it's not going to match up against that feather and you are going to die. Well, I thought you're dead already. Yeah, but, oh, but here's the thing: I'm mean, going to the bad, bad place. If you well, there is no bad place. If you cannot get through, there's no hell in Egypt. If you oh, can't, oh, that's right. If you can't get to the afterlife, you go to oblivion. You just that's it. Okay. No soul. It just because what happens is that the gobbler gets you. <laughs> right, and that is Emmet, the gobbler, oh. who's got the head of a crocodile. The front legs and body of a lion and the back legs of a hippo.
1: Wow.
0: Which, the whole hippo thing doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Because if you have the back legs of a hippo... Yeah, you can't go very fast. Correct.
1: This is like their version of the puppy monkey baby.
0: <laughs> yes. The Egyptian puppy monkey baby is Amet, the gobbler. I love the fact that he's going to gobble you to death.
1: That is, I mean, it does make you imagine a cartoon.
0: Well, I mean, the whole chasing
1: after somebody awkwardly chasing with their hippo feet, like, and the whole idea
0: of when you say, like, when we talk about our heart, people will say, like, my heart is with this, or I love Mm -hmm. you with all my heart, and I, or I have a heavy heart today, right? Bingo, you have a heavy heart. That means it ain't gonna weigh up against the feather and get ready to get gobbled. Mm -hmm. Right. So that the Egyptians considered the heart to be the center of thought, memory, and emotion. Okay, that's pretty. That's that's why they were weighing it. As we would ah. think of, we you weigh our brains is where of all our thoughts and things take place. The Egyptians thought it was the heart. I see, and um, that's where we get that idea. So, still with us is that idea of uh, the heart is the center of of our feelings. Yeah, and that's something that the Egyptians gave us.
1: Wow, that's a pretty big one when you yeah. when you consider all the the songs that have been written, written about that and <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. thank the Egyptians <laughs> yes. for that. All right. You know, we should talk a little bit about pop culture. I mean, I can't believe, first of all, I can't believe we're already like over 50 minutes into talking about ancient Egypt, because I feel like we just scratched the surface. I've got so many oh, more yeah, things definitely. to say. Oh yeah,
1: definitely. Right. There's a, there's a
0: lot more we can cover, and I'm sure we will in future episodes. We haven't even talked about how the scarab, the, that they had, you know, like the, the oh, beetle, yeah. the beetle was sacred to the Egyptians. Right. Or any of the other uh, weird pharaohs and stuff. But just to talk about a little pop culture associated with Egypt. Last week, we talked about Stargate. Yep. And the idea of the, the aliens coming and them being the Egyptian gods, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Um, power Slave, a very famous Iron Maiden song, name of an album. That's a song about an Egyptian pharaoh who doesn't want to die. And so the idea is he's slave to the power of death. But the, you can get outside of that slavery by being, you know, buried in the tomb and the mummification and all that kind of stuff. So Power Slave, Egyptian, Iron Maiden, listen to it. it's a totally sweet song. Uh, interestingly enough, Sleeping Bag by ZZ Top. What? Yeah, have you ever heard that? Slip inside my sleeping bag. The third verse. Let's go out to Egypt, cause it's in the plan. Sleep beside the pharaohs in the shifting sand. We'll look at some pyramids and check out some heads. Oh, we'll whip out our mattress, cause there ain't no beds. Slip inside my sleeping bag. So ZZ Top even talks about Egypt. Huh. And I, when I, I was like, what is that for real? <laughs> yeah, like that's, that's the third verse of Sleeping Bag. A that's song funny. That I, I, <laughs> right, that is funny. I thought I was like, I'm i like, what the heck could ZZ Top be interesting? You know. Anyway, obviously The Mummy oh, yeah. is a huge one.
1: That was on the other night on TV. The
0: 1931 or the Brendan Fraser one? No,
1: the 1930, like the old, old one. It was the on. The super uh, old Mummy. I was like channel surfing late in the middle of the night in one of those... Um, like the Bordello of Horror, you know. It, it wasn't yes. that one, but it was one of those where they have little bits in between, and then they oh, they have play a show
0: movies. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, that's fun. Um, yeah, I thought it was fun. We'll have to have a whole horror hosts episode sometime because I love I love horror oh, hosts. Yeah, yeah, and totally. We, in uh, Milwaukee when I was a kid, the horror host was um, Too Loose No Neck <laughs> on Shock Theater on Channel Twelve, and right. so I'd always watch watch Shock Theater and was and
1: there favorite. was also um wasn't it Elvira.
0: Yeah, the-, the Elvira the up Mistress. All night. No, that, you're, thinking, you're thinking, Elvira was the Mistress of the Dark. Oh, that's you're right. You're thinking of USA Up All Night. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah I know what you're We're talking about. Off on a tangent now, but. Yes, and Horror Host is something we'll have to go into sometimes <laughs> because I love them. And- but The Mummy was on, and I
1: had not seen that original one, so um, I didn't watch the whole thing, but it was pretty fun just seeing the
0: very beginning of it and mm-hmm. a couple pieces of it. Well, I always think it's interesting because it's the, I mean, this, with the story of The Mummy. It's never like a pharaoh, like a mummified pharaoh coming back. Right. It's, it's like an evil sorcerer.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's true.
0: Who does the, you know, and then finds rituals and stuff like that to, in, in a way that they can come back later and, and find the person that they were in love with. And right. it's, that, it's that Dracula thing, too, that they see a woman who they think is a reincarnation of a person that they loved in ancient Egypt. And that's a funny thing, too, because the Egyptian, the woman that they see is always, like, whether it's Dracula or whether it's the, the movie The Mummy— it's always some white woman. Uh, right. And you're like, well, there, there weren't a lot of white people in Egypt in 2500 BC. So who you really like? Well, but reincarnation. I know. To... But they always look, they always get the same actress to play like when they do the yeah. flashback or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, well, at least, you know, put some makeup on her or something. <laughs> or have her go to the, the, the tanning booth. But so the mummy is, a. I think that's where a lot of people get their idea of ancient Egypt. They see Definitely. that and that, you know, that it's horrific. Well, that,
1: even when you're a kid and you go to the uh, museum with your class or whatever. I mean, that was the most exciting part was going to see the mummy exhibit because it's yes. so like, Ooh, this is, this is really
0: crazy. Well, and cause you're looking at a, a human body and I mean, think about that though. Like what if somebody took somebody you cared about, dug them up and then stuck them in a box, you know, stuck them in like a glass box for people to look at. <laughs> There is something not necessarily I wouldn't say it's inhumane. There's something um cold about yeah. taking a body and like displaying, check this body but you, out.
1: You really don't think of it as a human because you see it, you know, in the wrapping like that. And it's it's a obviously a human form, but it 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 comes across more as, as a monster or something like that, especially when you're a little kid. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> so you don't really think of it as a corpse so much as just kind of a I don't know.
0: An object, I guess. Right. And, and also you're worried like, am I going to get the curse now because I'm looking at this mummy? Right. So, I mean, it is interesting. It's also interesting to see like, you're like, wow, is, were people that short that long ago? <laughs> but it is true that people were shorter. Like we have gotten a lot taller as time's gone on. That, a lot of that is due yeah. to nutrition because the average height of the Roman soldier, I mean, at the time that all this Egypt business was mm-hmm. going on, was five foot one. Wow. So when they, you know, they look at the graves and stuff like that of Roman soldiers, you see a lot of five foot one guys. Yeah. So we have definitely gotten taller over time. And it's interesting to see that when you see a mummy and you're like, oh man, but of course they're all shriveled up and stuff like that. Right. (laughs) Like nobody's wearing heels. It's just a (laughs) leathery, disgusting thing. And and, and the wrapping and everything. I mean, it is pretty, it is a monster. It does look like a monster. It doesn't look human. No. And
1: that's why they put the masks and everything on them though. Right.
0: I mean, right. Well, yeah, and the gold masks and to make it, a, you know, to make it a beautiful thing because they know mm-hmm. what happens to the body. Even if you're right. mummified, it's you look like a piece of leather work, <laughs> like a belt. Look at that. You see that belt? That used to be the Pharaoh. Wow. The bad guy in the Thundercats? Mumra. Wow. And he's met by the ancient omens of evil. <laughs> this is what he'd say as he turn into Mumra. And he was surrounded by like Egyptian gods. He was in Hmm. a pyramid and was surrounded by four, you know, ancient Egyptian gods. And that was the ancient spirits of evil. You know, the, their gods are the, the animal faced, you know, the people with animal heads. Yeah. So they were big other kin fans (laughs) in ancient (laughs) Egypt. But I'm trying to think if there's any other different movies or anything like that off the top of my head. But what about like Indiana Jones? Oh yeah. Well, that's another, right. They go into Egypt right in the first movie.
1: but uh, when you were talking about the the weighing of the heart, and then I, of course immediately I had to think of the the scene where the heart gets ripped out. Oh yeah. Because you said rip out your heart, <laughs> but that's that was a living heart, and it's not even related. But still no, I think of it. I mean, and Jones. it's also that was Hindu,
0: or yeah. um, they all worshipped. And we, that, oh, that's right, Kali. I haven't seen it in so long. Yep, Kali was. I mean, he does go to the Cairo in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. And it's also, it's uh, the Ark of the Covenant is uh, it's also something that's featured in the Old Testament. So that's completely related to the Egyptians, so I'm with you. I'm definitely with you on that one. But if there's anything we missed, anything ancient Egypt we missed, that you guys uh, would like to talk about, make sure you mention that in the comments and let us know if there's something particular about Because we'll have to go back to ancient Egypt sometime and... We'll do a follow up on some more of the mythology and some more of the, like maybe some specifics on the weirdness. This is just like a little 101 into yeah. why we still have the mysticization Whoa. Of, ancient, of ancient Egypt with new movies coming out. And it's still something that people are fascinated by thousands of years, thousands of years uh, after these people were alive. Right. And so, um, okay. Now, one of the cool things that the Egyptians came up with is our idea of the shy. S-H-A-I. Sometimes a goddess, sometimes a god, the shy is born with each person and at their death gives a true account of their person's life, deeds, and misdeeds. And their role is similar to a guardian angel presiding over destiny and fate. So we get some of the idea of our guardian angel, uh, a personal angel associated with us from ancient Egypt, and that's the mm. shy. So, that's why this week's song in the podcast is a Sunspot song that we wrote a few years ago called Guardian Angel. listening to today's episode you can find us online at othersidepodcast.com until next time see you on the other side oh yes as it is written in the book of the dead